0: Thank you, preacher. Amen. Take your Bible, open it anywhere. it's all good. Amen. We're going to try to pick up where we left off yesterday. Uh, I had a good time yesterday. I hope you did as well. I enjoyed myself, but you know, usually, usually when I'm doing the preaching, usually, usually, preacher, usually I enjoy it. There are times that I get done and I think, oh, me. <laughs> usually I enjoy it. Uh, I had a good night last night. Thank you so much for your attention uh, and, and your attend, uh, uh, your, attend, your attendance and your attention. Uh, it's great that you're here, but I thank the Lord that you paid attention and you were here last night, if you know what I mean by that. Uh, I, I appreciate that, and we're going we're gonna to continue. If you will, take your Bible turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll read a very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, and then we'll jump in. Uh, and again, a lot of what we'll look at is on the screen uh, or on the wall there. Uh, you can follow along if I slow down long enough for you to catch up. Uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll be moving tonight. You, you think last night was fast? Uh, we're going to be moving tonight, all right? We just got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things we, we need to, and, and tonight really is, is, yesterday was introduction, tonight's going to be foundation, all right? Uh, it, the two subjects that we're going to deal with today, two point sermon, I can say, yeah, two point, there's about 15 sub points under those two points, amen, uh, uh, the two-point sermon today really is, is foundational, and if we don't get tonight, if we don't come to agreement tonight in, in what we're going to deal with, really, uh, we might as well shut the meeting down and go home, because if we don't have, if we don't have agreement on inspiration and preservation, and we have no foundation. Amen. If we can't get to the understanding, and I dealt with some of it yesterday, and I know I preached all over the place yesterday, we will try to keep it a little bit more uh, 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 confined to the subject matter uh, but if we can't understand it we can't get to the point that God inspired his word and God promised to preserve his word then we have no foundation. We, there, there's nothing, all of it's just speculation beyond that. If, if we're just looking at man's ideas and man's thoughts. So let's let's look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 we're going to read verse 16. If you'd like to stand you're welcome to do so. Now, that's just my habit at our church. I don't know if y'all do that or not but Makes me feel better, all right? I like doing that for the honor of the reading of the Word of God. He says in 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, familiar verse, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the reading of your Word this, this evening. Help us tonight. Father, we, we're, we're dealing with a familiar subject, yet a subject that is so attacked today. Help us to gain confidence and wisdom and understanding and grace. Father, help us that we'll be able to stand firm on your word. We love you. Thank you for your grace and your mercies in Jesus' name. So we're going to jump right in uh, with this introduction to, or, or this, this foundation of inspiration uh, and maybe we, will, maybe we won't, preservation. Let's start with the introduction here for this this section. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Why do you think it is that this subject of Bible versions is—and I use that phrase very loosely—more uh, it should be Bible perversions. But why do you think this subject is so controversial? What's the big deal? Uh, why why is it? I, I, listen, you go to a, you go to. A, I challenge you. I don't know if there's a bookstore. They closed our our, our Christian bookstore down in Paducah. I, I I thought that was a good thing uh they, they shut that 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 place down that's all right with me uh but if if you got one close by go by I, I challenge you go by there and walk in and, and ask the clerk don't go to the book the section you just go to the clerk and you say can you show me where the King James Bibles are you watch them they're gonna do one of two things they're gonna go <laughs> you know like oh another one you know are they gonna look at you kind of like a calf looking at a new gate looking like what's wrong with you you know and then they're going to take you to some corner in the back somewhere and say, oh, there's them over there. But you don't want them. You want one of these new ones over here. You know, why is it that way? Why is it so controversial uh, when you start talking about Bible versions? Why is it when you, when you get around people and you start talking about that blessed old book, the King James Bible, folks start looking at you and you crossways? Why do they do that? There's a reason for it. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through uh, uh, tonight. So my next question is this, and I'll just give you food for thought to get us started. How many Bible versions are there? Back when I put this together, back when we did the first time for, 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 for Brother Bond uh, and North Spoon Church, first, I counted them back then. There were 23, and that was 10 years ago. 23 different Bible, and I hear I'll use that word again, perversions that are out there. I mean, they've got one for everything now. I'm, I'm waiting for the Dr. Seuss version to come out. I don't know. Really, I can't answer that question. I don't know how many. I think I heard a fellow on a video the they say 30-something, 35, 38. Different. Why? What's the point? What are they trying to do? Why are they doing this? All right, just some good things to think about as we enter into this, this topic tonight. See, here's the statement that I want to get to to get us started. The Bible says this, that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. So where does our faith come from? Where do we get our faith? If if it's impossible to please God without faith, how do we get faith to be able to please him? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because it's right here. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If the devil can attack the word of God and he can change that book, then he can destroy our faith because our faith is founded on that book. As we read and we get involved in what God's doing and we look at God's book and he speaks to us, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I said last night, everyone in this room that's born again on their way to heaven got saved because they heard or they read what was in that book. We've got to get back to that idea of the foundation of faith. The foundation of faith is the word of God. Why is it so controversial? Uh, Because the world is trying to destroy your faith. Because the devil, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, is trying to attack your faith. He's trying to hinder you in your walk with God. And the best way to do that is to destroy the foundation of the Word of God. That's why it's so controversial today. And we find, well, I'm 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 going to wait out just a little bit and I'm going to come back. And we find We find that the world is is biting on this hook, line, and sinker. They're accepting every little thing that comes down the pike, and they're they're being deceived because they are are looking at things that that have been corrupted, uh, and they're not looking at the truth of the Word of God. Therefore, their faith, now listen, their faith is corrupted because they're not putting their faith in the truth of the Word of God. All right, let me give you this, uh, three points here concerning concerning the Bible. There are three ways that you can look at the Bible, at the Word of God. All right, the first two is going to be mainly the world looks at the Bible this way, and the third one will be what we would, hopefully, what we will stand on uh, here in the meeting tonight. Number one, there are many that believe the Bible contains the Word of God, that the Bible simply contains the Word of God, that they're in there somewhere. There is the word of God. There is truth in there somewhere. But that begs the question. Here it is. Who gets to decide what's truth and what's not? Who, who gets to decide what, well, this verse is, is from God, uh, but this one's not? See, there's a group running around out there that says, well, the church gets to tell you that. Well, that's corrupt. How's that, how's that church getting along? How are they standing in their relationship with God and their, and, and, and their faith in the word of God? No, it's not man. It's not church. It's the Holy Spirit of God taking the truth of the Word of God and applying it to us. All right, so number one, the first way people will look at the Bible is that the Bible contains the Word of God. But who gets to pick what's what? All right, the second one is this. The Bible becomes the Word of God as you read it, and the principles of the Word of God. They, you, you learn those principles, and then those principles are applied to you, and, and, and you interpret those. And, and see, but again, that makes man the authority and not God. See, so there's the question: Who gets to make the application of the Bible? What, what does, that, what does that, that verse mean? Well, let me go ask my. Let me go ask my. I'll be careful. Let me go ask my preacher and see what it says. No, 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 no. You, you get in the Word of God and you let the Holy Spirit of God lead you into truth. Oh, I'm far going to the preacher when you when you got some difficulties. I'm far asking for his counsel and asking for his help. But what you need to do is you've got to learn to get in that book and study and hear from God and listen and let God speak to you. You've got to have enough faith in that Bible to know that it's the Word of God and you're going to say, I'm going to get in this book and I'm going to hear from God today. Right. All right? Again, we're back to a confidence in the Bible, a confidence in the Word of God. So here's the statement. Here's here's where we stand. We stand right here. The Bible is the Word of God. It is. See, what we want to do is we want to put God, we want to put, no, no, no. We don't want to put God, we want to recognize God in authority. Because we don't put Him there, He's already there. We've just got to recognize that He's there see if we if we take that position the Bible is the Word of God then what we're doing is we're saying okay God you're going to speak to me I'm going to take this book and I'm going to let you speak to my heart and I'm going to respond to what you've said and I'm going to adjust me to what this book says and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God lead me and teach me into the truth of this book and I'm going to change me instead of getting mad at this Bible instead of getting mad at what it says instead of getting mad at the preacher because he's preaching it instead of getting mad at mom and dad because they don't stand on this book Instead of getting mad at everybody else, I'm going to let God speak to me and I'm going to change me and get me right with God. I heard somebody say this the other day, uh, and I thought, oh, boy, we're in that society right now. What do you expect when you tell somebody, uh, uh, when you give them a trophy just for participating, you you tell them they're they're perfect just the way they are and they don't need anybody's help, uh, and you tell them they don't have to listen to nobody else's authority. They can do what they want to. What do you expect them to do? That's exactly what we're seeing in our society they're rejecting the authority of the Bible because nobody has enough backbone out there. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about them folks out there. nobody has enough backbone out there to stand up and say, no, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you like. I'm glad. My mama was mean when I was growing up. She put food on the table. She said, eat it, boy. But mama, I don't like that. You gonna eat that? Or you ain't eat nothing? I learned about the second time she was serious. (laughs) Yeah, you go to bed a couple, uh, hungry a couple times. Uh, you learn to eat what she puts on the table. Hey, but you know, here's the thing. Uh, we, I don't like that kind of preaching. Hey, you just put it on the table. You just put it on the table. And you say, well, this is what we're gonna get. This is what the Bible says. This is what comes from the Word of God. We've got to teach our young people a respect for the Word of God because why? Because it is the Word of God. It is the Bible. It is the mind of God. And we've got to teach them to respect that and respond to it. Uh, So so there's three points. And we're going to take that last one and we're going to run with that. The Bible is the Word of God. And we're going to talk about this idea of inspiration. Inspiration defined literally means God breathed. Now we talked a little bit. I got way ahead of myself yesterday. And we talked a little bit about the idea of uh, that commentator that said, well, you know, Paul picked a very poor illustration in Galatians chapter 4. No, 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 no. We've got to get back to the idea that God breathed this book. That as these men, these 40 men we learned about yesterday, as they were writing, that God breathed on them and moved them. And they were the Bible said that they were moved as the the Holy Ghost moved them. They wrote and and, and put down exactly what God wanted them to say. We've got to approach this Bible from that point, from that aspect. When we get in this book, we're opening the mind of God and we're seeing this God breathed the book. The Holy Spirit moved at least 40 human writers. 1600 years to record it the very words of God in revelation of mankind I love that statement that statement must ring true in our hearts because every time we approach the word of God we must approach it from that standpoint because if it becomes just another book just another and here it is just another self help book (laughs) I'm going to say this as nice as I can it's going to end up in the pile of all the rest of the self help books that you've ever read in your life. Every one of us in here, smile right here. Most of us, I'll say it this way. Most of us in here have been on several, several weight journeys. We've tried all kinds of self help books, and they've ended up in a pile somewhere on a shelf. Oh, they may work for a little while, but something happened if we're not careful. That book you hold in your lap, if we're not careful, we're going to treat it just like one of those. Oh, we'll like it for a while, but when it gets rough and it gets difficult, we're going to put it right in that pile and all the rest of them. No, but if you understand that that's not just another book written by men, but it's a book penned from the mind of God, it'll change our lives. We can always understand God's doing something great in us. So inspiration starts off with this idea of being God-breathed. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's the verse we talked about just a moment ago. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read verse 16 and verse 17 just a moment ago. All Scripture. Now, <laughs> preacher, that, that's fun. We can stop and define that little word all. What's all mean? I heard somebody say this, all means all, and that's all all will ever mean. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction. And we'll talk about that again here in a little bit. As we start defining inspiration, what do we mean by inspiration, by the God-breathed? Number one, we're going to start with this idea that it's verbal inspiration. We're going to deal with every word. I'm glad I have an every-word Bible. I'm glad I don't have to get in the book and say, well, is that really what it said? Now, I'm getting way ahead of him. I'm getting into my next point. But, hey, do we believe in presence? Be- how big is your God? That's going to be the question for the night. How big is your God? You realize there, there, there are denominations, I'll be careful when I say that, out there, that believe that for a period of time the Bible ceased to exist, that the church went into, I don't know what they call it, but it, but it no longer was vibrant. It no longer was, was in existence. I'll use that, my word, I'll use that. Uh, and until their denomination came along and revived it all, and, and saved it all, and, and brought it back from the brink of destruction that it was that it was about to be destroyed. And about listen, how big is your God? God doesn't need some denomination to come along and save His Bible. He doesn't need some denomination to come along and save his doctrine. What he needs is some folks to come along and agree with him and say, listen, God inspired that book. He gave every word of it exactly like he said he wanted it. And that's the idea of verbal inspiration. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Well, let me just stop and ask you a question there. Did God do exactly what he said he did? Did God put the words in his mouth? Then we might ought to listen to what Jeremiah had to say. Amen. Again, we're just laying foundation tonight. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We have a verbal inspiration of the word of God. Uh, And then this verbal inspiration, I, I I I can't get rid of this word, preacher. I like that word. I mean, it's an old word. I know we don't use it every day, but I can't find a better word for that. Plenary. What does that word mean, preacher? It means exactly what's written up there. It means the whole thing. The whole book is inspired. Now, listen, this is is elementary, preacher. We know this, but we need to preach it today because there are a lot of people that don't believe it. There are a lot of people that are walking around, and again, I said yesterday, they're buffet style in this Bible. Well, I like this part, but I don't like this part. I ain't preaching that part. I ain't going to preach about hell. You know, hell's that, that just scares people. I'm not preaching it. I'm not going to. Hey, listen, if you don't preach it, it's in that book, you're wrong. We're commanded of God as preachers and, and children of God to preach the whole counsel of God. Whether we like it or not, we've got to preach it and stand on it and believe it because it's the Word of God. It's inspired verbally, it's inspired plenary. The whole book is complete. In all respects, God gave us exactly what he wanted us to have. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We'll read the rest of that now. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then it says this, it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That means, number one, it'll tell you what's right. It's, it's, it's profitable for doctrine. It'll tell you what's right. Number two, it's re- profitable for reproof. It'll tell you what's wrong. We'll just read that book. It's good for correction. It'll tell you how to get it right. It's good It's good for instruction in righteousness. It'll tell you how to keep it right. If we're just getting this book, we got all the answers we need. If we just read it, get in it, treat it like the Word of God that it is. No, but we say, well, maybe I can find something in this book that can help me. Maybe there'll be something over here that'll, that'll say something. Maybe I can find something that I like. Maybe, maybe I'll find something that'll agree with my theology. Amen right there, old me. No, no, no. We need to approach it and say, God, you speak to my heart. You, you speak to me. And then we've got to submit ourselves to what it says. Uh, the next one is this. Not only is it verbal and plenary, but it's inerrant. Well, we're going to separate the men from the boys and the, and, and the women from the young ladies right here. It's inerrant. Now, I stand here and they told me, they told me this, this afternoon, Now, preacher, everything you're saying out there is going on podcast. So here it is on podcast. Ready? The King James Bible is inerrant. Write her down. And if it's not, we don't have a foundation to stand on. We've got to understand and we've got to embrace this fact that it's correct in its details. That God gave us as God, did God inspire it? That's what we're talking about. He said he did. Did Did he breathe this book? He said he did. Well, if he said he did and he wrote it and he gave it down, hold on, let's look at this, here it is. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Oh, you got got a problem out there now. Now we got to harmonize some scripture. Either we're going to believe the book or we're not. Oh, I've heard folks say, well, you know, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good man. Well, then if he was a good teacher, then you got to believe what he taught. What did Jesus teach? Jesus taught that he was the son of God. That he was a lamb that would give his life. He was Messiah. That's what he taught. You either believe him or you don't. There's no middle ground. There's no straddling the fence. We, we've got to embrace the fact that this book is inspired by God and that he cannot lie. Therefore, if he said the sun stood still, guess what? It stopped. If he said Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights, guess what? Jonah got a trip in hotel whale. Well, that's impossible. Amen. I'm for it. Because if it's impossible, that means God did it. That's called, in the Bible, that's called a miracle where God sets aside the natural order to do what he wants to do. Well, yeah, I preached through Jonah not long ago, and that, that baffles me, preacher. How, how did that boy get in that well and live three days and three nights in the belly of that stinking thing? I, I mean, you know, but I can't explain it all. I know as he did. And, and I know this in the book of Jonah. He must have been a Baptist preacher, brother. I mean, he, that, that, that well swallows him up, and they go down to the depths of the sea, and three days, it took Jonah three days. You read it. Three days later, Jonah finally says, hmm, I think I might ought to pray. Now, I like to think, I don't know, I'm not probably not more spiritual than Jonah was, but I like to think as soon as they tossed me, as soon as I hit that water, I'd be saying, God, do something. Especially when the fish is coming. God, you got to do something. Three days later, he's praying. I'm glad he prayed. I'm glad he finally got right, got his mind where it needed to be, got his heart where it's supposed to be. I'm glad. But it took him three days. But, Oh, that's scientifically impossible. We're back to how big is your God? How big is your God? We get, I, don't have, I told you I am going to try not to chase many stories tonight. Sorry, preacher, I didn't chase too many already. All right? It's, immutable, it's impossible for God to lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which, which God that cannot lie. We're back to that statement. So that he'd give you truth in the Bible. Yeah, or, or, did he, or did he tell you something that was wrong? Now, this sounds simple. This sounds like preacher. That's, that's a trick question. No, 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 no. See, we're back to this idea. Churches are not going to be strong as they need to be until their faith is built on a confidence in the Word of God that comes from saying, if God said it, then it must be true. My daddy used to say this. He said, you know, he, he, my daddy was a cut-up. He was a card. But he, he used to say this. He, I, he'd say, you can believe me, son. You can trust me. I'd say, I can't trust you, daddy. He'd say, I, you can trust me, boy. If I told you an ant could pull a freight train, you just hook him up, son. Hey, Amen. That's what he used to, that was his saying. Hey, listen, you read something in that Bible and God, God said something that sounds outlandish, you just hook him up because if God said it, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to chase one more rabbit, preacher. I, I, I can't, I, in my mind's eye, I got this imagination that gets me in trouble all the time. But my mind's eye, can get, let's, just, let's just go back for just a moment. Joshua, Joshua has come across the Jordan River. They're coming into the land and going to conquer the land that God gave them. And they come up to this city, and this city is walled up to heaven. And the, city, the walls are so wide, they can race chariots around on the top. I mean, it's, one these, I mean, it's a fortified, well-built city. And Jonah, jo, uh, Joshua says, hmm, I don't know what we're going to do here. God, you got to do something here. And God said, "Come here, Joshua. I got the plan for you. I'm gonna tell you exactly how we're gonna defeat this city." So he gets the plan from God. He goes back, gets his generals together, and he says, "Well, I got the battle plan from God. We're gonna take the city. Let me tell you how we're gonna do it." Well, all his generals got ready. I can see them around the table. Man, they're all standing there. They're just they're just waiting for for Daniel to come across with it. Daniel, uh, Joshua to come. Across, I don't know where that came from. Joshua to come across with this great plan. This this great Uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, 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 battle plan that's going to take this huge city. And he says, here's what we're going to do, boys. First day, first day we're all going to get together. And we're going to get out there and we're going to march around this city. And we're going to be deathly quiet. We're not going to say a word. We're all going to march around that city and we're going to come back to the camp. All right, Josh, now what? Day two. Oh, okay, here it is. Here we go. And you know the story of Joshua, Jericho. Seven days, we're going to march around that. T- I think by the seven days, them generals are going, to go Joshua, you've been in the sun too long, son. Something wrong with you, boy. I, I don't know what you've been doing or where you've been. But uh, you've been listening to somebody, but I don't know if it's been God or not. Joshua said, no, 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 this is a plan of God. You listen, to, you listen to me. You do what God said, and it's going to be all right. Now, we, as Paul Harvey says, we know the rest of the story. We know they got out there. And sure enough, they marched around the first day didn't say a word. They marched around the second day didn't say a word. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, they got out there and marched around that city, gave that shout. And exactly like God said, the walls fell flat and they took the city. Hey, it may sound absurd to us. It may sound just as dumb as it can be. But if we get it from God, we better stand on what thus saith the Lord. Because God cannot lie and God's inspired that book and laid it in our lap and gave it to us that we might learn and do what he wants us to do. Hey, man, that didn't cost you anything extra right there, all right? Number four. Mm, well, I like this one too. That book's infallible. If you'll do what that book tells you to do, you'll see the blessings of God. Now, I'm not preaching some wealth and health and wealth prosperity gospel. I'm saying this, though, the plan of God works. How, how do you know it works? Because my Bible told me one day that I was lost and bound for sin, bound for hell. My Bible said that I was bound in sin, that I was unrighteous and all my righteousnesses were as filthy rags and I couldn't do anything to be right with God that Bible went on to say but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and as an 8 year old boy sitting back about 4 or 5 rows back on this side of the church auditorium on a Sunday morning Holy Spirit God sat down next to me put his arm around me and said boy you're the sinner you're the one that needs salvation you're the one that's going to split hell wide open if you don't get right with God all the Sunday school lessons you've heard over the last two years about sin and hell and all and that's about you boy not about somebody else it's about you son and if you don't get right with God you'll be the one that'll be going to hell forever now I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer and I didn't walk that aisle that morning like I should have matter of fact I didn't even do it that night like I should have but I got home that Sunday night June 22nd 1975 I got home and I laid down in the bed, the, the bed, my bed in the back bedroom of my mom and dad's house the convicting power of the Holy Spirit fell upon me And I began to think about all that that I had learned and God began to squeeze my heart and deal with me and I'll never forget as an eight-year-old boy the plea, the cry unto God, God, I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I know I'm a sinner. I, I know I deserve hell. That's what you said in your Bible. But you said if I'd trust you and I'd repent of my sin and I'd ask you to forgive me, you'd save me from the devil's hell. And God right here in this bed, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. And boy, whoo, the Holy Spirit of God swooped down there and grabbed me and, and I was saved right there in that bed And as an eight-year-old boy. Hey, how do you know the, the gospel works? How do you know the plan of God works? Because it's still working in my life. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's correct in doctrine. I don't understand. I'm gonna get off on this one a little bit, preacher. I don't understand how you take 90 percent of an income. <laughs> it don't, I, you 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 can't pen and paper it. It don't work out. I, I don't understand how you can take 90 percent of an income and pay all your bills. But if you do what God said. If you'll do what God said, and you'll give that 10%, God said He'd prosper you. God said He'd do it. He'd open the windows of heaven, and He'd pour out a blessing. That's what He said in His book. So what are we going to do? I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to do what God said, because it's infallible. It's correct in doctrine. All right, we need to move on. I'm going to never finish. Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true from the beginning. There are several claims about inspiration from the scriptures. I'll just give you a couple of these real quick. In the Old Testament, there there are some claims of direct claims about inspiration. In the Torah, in the Torah, which is the Old Testament, the Hebrew writings, uh, there are many, many uh, um, uh, declarations or um, about uh, the, the inspiration of the scriptures. Let's look at a couple. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 1, and God spake all these words, saying. And again, I know it's elementary, but I'm just showing you this because we've got to get this as we go forward. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord called to Moses and spake and said, spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, The Lord spake unto him, saying. All right? Do we believe that? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 3 And it came to pass in the fortieth year In the eleventh month On the first day of the month That Moses spake to the children of Israel According unto all that the Lord Had given him in commandment unto them oh, let, me, let me stop and say this I'm going to say it right now Because we're not, we're not finished with this But I'm going to say it here When your preacher stands before you In this pulpit And opens that book How do you respond to what he has to say Is he saying what God said Is he saying what the book says Is he preaching what the Bible said Oh, I don't like that preacher. I'm upset. I'm mad at you. I don't like what you said this morning. Hey, if it's in the Bible, you just need to repent, get right with God, and go on and serve God. Stop taking it out on the preacher. Now, I don't know nothing about the church. We ain't talking about nothing like that. But I'm a pastor. I kind of know how it works. And what we've got to do, if he's preaching the Word of God, oh, let me, by the way, let me just say this. If he ain't preaching the Word of God, you need to get rid of him. Amen. See, the word for that, I'm trying to be careful here, preacher. The word for that's a heretic. He ain't preaching the book, get rid of him. Why? Because it's that important. It's that important that we walk with God and we seek God and we listen to God and we hear from God. The inspiration of the prophets, number two, the declaration, the direct claims of the Old Testament. 3,800 times in the Old Testament, at least, 3,800 times the phrase thus saith the Lord or its equivalent occurs in the Old Testament. We're back to that question. Did he say it or did he not? See, it puts a new perspective on the scriptures. It helps us understand when we open the Bible we're open the mind to God. It helps us understand we've got to listen to what thus saith the Lord. Oh boy, I like this one. The testimony of Christ. I'm going to give you several rapid fire here about the testimony of Christ, about the Old Testament, uh, uh, about uh, being the Word of God, and I I want you to listen to these, I mentioned some of them last night, but look at this, they're they're all right here. Uh, Number one, he quoted the Old Testament, Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4, but he answered and said, it is written, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus himself is quoting Deuteronomy chapter number 8. We find this, he verified the Genesis account of creation, Matthew 19, verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that which, he, that, that which he made that? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? He is verifying the Genesis account of creation. Well, that's right. we don't have time to chase that rabbit, all right? Uh, no, the next one, he accepted the Genesis account of the flood. Matthew 24, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He verified that. You mean, preacher, you believe believe in a worldwide flood? Yes, Jesus did. I do. Because he did. That's what he said. He put it in his book. All right? He believed the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Luke chapter 17, verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus is verifying these things in the New Testament. He verified the story of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, that's just a story, preacher. That's That's not what Jesus said. All right? We're verifying this. He quoted from Isaiah, Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15. And then it must fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. That's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. He's verifying this Old Testament. What are the direct claims uh, of the, the Scriptures of the Old Testament? Matthew 5:18, John 10:35, Matthew 24, 35, Jesus believed and taught the inspiration and infallibility of the Scriptures. That's what he said. John 10, 35, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. He called, he called it the scripture, all right? And we see there's the verses about that. We've got to move. Uh, so the Old Testament gives some direct claims, but the New Testament does as well. Well, I, I love this verse. I, I love the connection. A lot of times when, when you show somebody this verse and they make that connection, it's, it's fun to see that light come on. When you're reading that, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 in verse sixteen it says, An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, now hang on to that, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So the connection we're trying to make in this passage is this. He said there's some other scriptures, but he connected what Paul had written to them, and he's saying they're all scripture. There's a claim here in the New Testament that that's what it is. It is the holy writings of God. It is the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 8. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not of the ox, tread it out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Again, a direct quote from the Old Testament. Uh, we understand Ephesians chapter 3, verse 25 if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mysteries of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. God is revealing, God is speaking, and God is giving uh, this word in the New Testament. All right? There are a couple of evidences that we want to give. And we're almost done with inspirations. So we're almost done with point one. man! Uh, well, all right. Uh, there's some internal evidences here uh, that we can see in the Bible. I, we'll hit these very quickly. We've preached these quite a bit the last two nights. Number one, uh, the prophetic revelation. There's no other book in the world. I, 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 we could go and name, I used to, what was the guy's name? I can't even remember his name now. Uh, that made all those predictions. All those things that he said. And, and he said, all oh, this was going to happen and this was going to come true. Uh, I get tickled. I don't, I don't suggest you do this. This is just my morbid curiosity. But I get tickled at some of these prophecy preachers. You know, every, every January, they always come out with their, their prophecies for the year. Now, they don't go back and tell you how well they did last year. Come on now. <laughs> they, they don't come out and say, well, I was, I was 50-50 last year. I, I was 35. I don't, my math's not good. I was 30-70 last year. They ain't going to do that. But, oh, they're going to come out and say, God spoke to me and God said this year. How many of you? <laughs> how many of you during COVID? I'm going to call his name. How, how many of you during during COVID? I, I can't believe anybody's still sitting there listening to him. How, how many of you during COVID heard, heard Kenneth Copeland uh, 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 vanquish COVID? I mean, he got in the pulpit, he got in the pulpit on, on video and said, I, in the name of a prophet of God, I command you, COVID. And he did. Well, it worked out real well for him, didn't it? I don't see how anybody sits in his church today or his building today and believes anything the guy has to say. But I'm glad I have a Bible and I'm glad I have a word of God that prophetically is true from, from, from the beginning to the end. That there's not one prophecy that's ever been given that's not come true, that's not been right, that's not been right on target and right on plan and, and exactly where God wants it to be. I'm glad there's some unity in this book. I'm glad we've got a Bible from Genesis to Revelation that's in complete unity. A complete unity. That that scarlet thread we talked about yesterday flows through the whole thing, all right? Uh, I'm glad there's some supernatural doctrine in that book. Uh, Listen, you don't need a 12-step program to get out of alcoholism. Uh, You need salvation to get out of drunkenness. You don't don't need Narcotics Anonymous to get out of drug addiction. You need salvation to get you right with God and clean you up. Hey, hey, listen, we've got to get back to a supernatural doctrine that will change hearts and change lives. That's what we need, all right? Some internal evidences there, a couple of external evidences we'll look at, and we'll move on, all right? Uh, the external evidences, number one, is the credibility of the Bible. Well, we're going to talk about this later on this week. We're going to talk about some scientific accuracies in the Bible. You realize that there's never been a scientific discovery. I'm going to say it again. There's never been a scientific discovery that's contradicted the Bible. Every scientific fact they've ever unearthed verifies that book. Well, what about the, I don't have time to get off of this, preacher. What about the fact, what about the fact that you realize they're teaching evolution is a fact now? It's no longer a theory. I emailed one of them teachers one day when I found that out. I found that out, but I was doing some study, and I ran across that, and I, I saw this, somebody quote, talking about the fact of evolution. I said, whoa, time out. So I found, I, I found the thread they were talking. I found the pre that said it, the email address, and I emailed. I forgot what school there, some big school they were at, and I emailed them, and I said, time out. Hold on. Last I heard, evolution was a theory, and I ain't seen no proof yet. When did it become a fact? And this was their response, I promise you. They wrote back and they said, well, since there's no better alternative, we have just assumed that evolution is the fact. They didn't like my response. Because I responded and said, well, you forgot about creation. So I said there's no scientific fact that's ever disproven the Bible. All right, we got to move. Transforming result. Hey, we could probably go around the room and there'd probably be folks in here that could give testimony about how God took my life and transformed me. I told you I was eight when I got saved. Uh, You know, how much wrong could an eight-year-old do? He was bored in sin. That's what he did. Uh, But, you know, but we could probably go around the room and different ones could say, man, my life was a wreck. I was, I was, you know, terrible. It was bad. It was awful. But God did something in my life and changed me and made me, took me where I was and made me what I am by the grace of God. Hey, the supernatural result, the transforming result of this book. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's, that's, that's being not being, pri- I, I believe it's being preached here. but a lot of churches, they ain't being preached anymore. I, I ain't got time to chase that rabbit either. All right, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> the inexhaustible treasure. We talked about that yesterday. Boy, you read that book and it's brand new every day. Uh, you read across the passage of Scripture and it just jumps out to you. You see something new. That's the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than, than more, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, the honeycomb. Well, it just gets, my daddy used to say, it's just, it just gets sweeter, it, 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 it gets sweeter and sweeter every day. Amen. It does. You just keep reading that book. Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Woo, amen. And then we find this, it's the honored promises in the word of God. I'm glad there's some promises we can hold on to. I'm glad he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. May, hey, listen, you may feel like I got two little puppy dogs out in a motorhome. You, you may feel like you got to put, uh, put, put, a, put a pork chop around your neck to get the dogs to play with you. But I guarantee you God's never left you. He's always right where he's always been. Let's trust him. Let's keep our eyes focused on him. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success, Joshua 1.8. And then there's the great mystery of the Word of God. The, the great mystery. Paul talked about that, the mystery. There's so much in that book we don't know. We don't understand. But I'm glad we'll understand it better by and by. I'm glad the more we mature and the more we grow in grace, the more we'll learn, but one day we'll see Him face to face. One day we'll see him. And one day we'll learn. And one day we'll know, boy, the great mysteries of that book. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. They, they can't understand the scriptures because it's hidden from them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto them, neither can they know them. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. That's the truth of inspiration the truth of inspiration God wants us to know about him and his great love for us now if you'll bear with me just for a few more minutes I promise I'll go fast and I'll try not to keep you very much longer but I want you to understand the next step in this parade here it is here's the, here's the question why would God give us his word taking meticulous care with the very words of God then allow their distortion or destruction to occur does that, make any, does that make sense to anybody? Why? I'm going to read it again. We're going to move on. Why would God give us His Word, taking meticulous care with the very words, then allow their distortion or destruction to occur? He would not. That brings us to the thought of preservation. If God inspired it, and we just learned that He did, then He promised He would preserve it, that He would keep it for you and I. All right? So with this idea of preservation, uh, real quick, I'm going to give you these red flag warnings. We're going to jump in. There's three things that I'll show you with preservation. Number one, uh, here's some red flags. You hear somebody say this, well, but in the original or in the Greek. I mean, I know a little Hebrew, a little Greek, but I'm going to say it this way. If you've got to go to the Greek to prove your theology, you might want to get you some new theology. We've got an English Bible that God gave us because he wants us to know what he said in his book. You don't have to go learn Greek and Hebrew. God gave it to us in English you see somebody spouting that, you be careful. You be careful. Now, I'm not against using language. I've told you already. I know a little Hebrew. I know a little Greek. I, I love to, the, to dabble in that and love to study and look at it. Uh, but you, listen, if they got to say that from the pulpit, that's a red flag for me. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to say it right there, preacher. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, here's another one you might hear. A better translation would be, you need to run from that preacher. What well, better, a better translation, a better way of saying that. Who? that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because now he's correcting the Word of God. All right. Amen. All right. Here's another one. Not found in the most ancient manuscripts. <laughs> Woo! We'll deal with that one in a couple of days. So you just hang on to that one. Uh, but that's some red flag warning. You hear some of those things. You, that, that, that ought to, The hackles ought to go up on the back of your neck, man. The hair ought to stand up. And you ought to start, start saying, now, nah, wait a minute. Hold on now. Be careful what you say next. Woo. Amen. All right. So as we get into this... Uh, Hello, don't go away yet. My battery's almost dead. All right, the extent, the extent of preservation, I have to do it more. there, is, number one, it's every word. If God gave us every word, he promised that he would preserve every word. All right, how did he do that? He, he talks about that in Psalm 12, verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Amen. The, the words of the Lord. The word is true from the beginning, and every one of his righteous judgments endureth forever, Psalm 119, 160. 2 Timothy 2, study so thyself, approving to God, a workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of the truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So number one, every word is inspired. Number two, the agency of that inspiration, that agency is the Lord. We're going to talk about some guys, and we'll we'll name some names, and we'll do some stuff in the, in the next couple of days. But I'm not trying to build up those men, because it wasn't those men that did it. It was the God of heaven that used those men as tools to, to preserve the book that he's given us. All right? So the agency was the Lord, Psalm 12, verse 7. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He said in Psalm 119, 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast formed them forever and then number three we find the period of uh, of preservation is forever he promised to preserve his word forever look at psalm 12 verse 7 thou shalt keep them O lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever now we're back to inspiration is that what god said if that's what god said that's what he meant all right, all right. psalm 119 verse 89 forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven, I think we're getting the point there, right? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. You getting, you getting a hint? You getting that foundation? All right. Let, let me give you this. We're, we're about done, I promise. So uh, uh, let me just give you a few events where God preserved his book. We have the demonstration of this from the word of God. Uh, from history 175 B.C. the king of Syria Antiochus Epiphanes ordered all Jews under pain of death to destroy the scriptures he's dead the Bible's still here amen right there God preserved his book we go to 302 A.D. Fellow by the name of Diocletian burned the Bible and sought to eradicate Christianity Diocletian's dead and gone The Bible's still here God promised to preserve his book 860 AD Pope Nicholas I Banned the Bible from being read by laymen. But yet here we sit With the Bible in our lap God preserves his book 1198 AD Pope Innocent III Decreed all who read the Bible Other than the clergy Be put to death These are some nasty guys And I don't think I have to tell you which religion they're they're, they're connected to. But yet here we sit with the Word of God. God preserves His book. 1451 A.D., John Wycliffe. Now listen to this. He was exhumed. That means he died. They dug him up. And if I remember correctly, it was something like 26 years later, after he died, they dug up his bones. They judged him as a heretic. He didn't care. He was dead. They judged him as a heretic. They burned his bones and they scattered him in a river. Why? Because he translated the Bible into English. But yet here we sit with the word of God in our lap. God preserves his word. 1536 A.D., William Tyndale, he was strangled and burned at the stake. For what reason? Translating that Bible into English. But yet you sit there with the Bible. God preserves His Word. 1553. I get chills every time I see that picture. 1553, a woman by the name of Bloody Mary used Bible as fuel to burn those who would not convert to Catholicism. She was going to eradicate Christianity from her kingdom. But yet here we sit with the Bible in our lap she's dead and gone God will preserve his word we've got to believe that God said the, critical, the modern critical movement of Bible revisions they're attacking that book they're attacking the word of God they're attacking your old King James Bible they're saying all kinds of things about it but I guarantee you the time will come where they'll be dead and gone and God's word will stand because God said he would preserve his word I want to finish I want to finish with a poem that I found Several years ago. This poem is called The An- the Hammer and the Anvil. And I want you to listen. Now, let, let, I'm going to say this and we'll read it. The attack against the Bible is real. They want your Bible. I, I heard today, I don't, I, I won't call names, I'll, I'll just, I'll be very vague. I, but but there was a preacher, there was a preacher not long ago that, that had some problems at, at COVID and, uh, they, they told him he couldn't meet in his church and, and, and all this stuff. and, and let me just, I'm going to tell you what happened. They came to him and they said, Preacher, here's what's going to happen. If you meet in that building, what's going to happen? We're going to raid your church. And when we raid your church, what we're going to do is we're going to take every child in that building away from their parents. And we're going to take them as wards of the state. Oh, they can't do that. They don't like the preaching of the Word of God. They don't like folks to stand on that book. And they're going to do everything they can to destroy the faith of Christ and the truth of the Word of God. What we've got to do is we've got to stand on what thus saith the Lord. Listen to this poem as we close. It says this, Last eve I paused beside the blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring with vesper chime. Then looking in, I saw old hammers on the floor, worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, I asked, to wear out all these hammers so? Just one, he said, and then with twinkling eye, the anvil wears out the hammers, you know. And so thought I the anvil of God's word. For years skeptics' blows have beat upon Yet though the noise of yet through the noise of falling blows is heard, the hammers are gone and the anvil is unharmed. We have a blessed book in this Holy Bible. We have a blessed book in this King James Bible that we hold in our lap. We need to understand that it is inspired of God, God breathed that it's preserved by God for you and I the next few nights. We're going to stop and we're going to go back and we're going to look at how God through time preserved his book for you and I but listen all of that that we're going to do going forward if you don't believe it's the inspired inerrant infallible word of God it's not going to mean anything to you but to those that love this book and those that have fallen in love with the author and those that know him personally and God's working in your life hey the next few nights ought to be something you can hang your hat on and say "Whoa, that's my God buddy Uh, that's the God that I serve I'm just going to stay right here I'm going to stay with him I don't care what happens I'm just going to stay with God let the world go to hell in a handbasket if they want to I'm just going to believe the book Amen. how many are willing to stand and say that's my crowd preacher let's pray Father we're thankful for the day what a joy just to again get into your book we love you we pray that you will encourage us in your word lead God and direct us in Jesus name